All right, so I'm very excited about this. We have a legend here. He won't like me using that term because it suggests you're kind of old, and he's not old, he's very young. Um, he's an amazing journalist who's doing the best coverage right now of the presidential election. Um, if you don't know him, you should follow him. He has a newsletter, which is fantastic. It's called Americana. It is on Semaphore. Semaphore is a new news organization. You should check it out. Semaphore.com. S-E-M-A-F-O-R. Semaphore. He's Dave Weigel, who really is a legendary political reporter. Um, so pleased to could join us today. You're here, You're here to bring the um, California Republican Convention but really as part of your coverage of the presidential election. Mm -hmm. And you were here in California for the second presidential debate. Mm -hmm. So let's start with that. What did you make of it? I agree with a lot of conventionalism. I don't like to do that. You know, I'd like to have a different take, right? But this debate really clarified that Donald Trump is so dominant in this race uh -huh. that no one is in a position to catch him right now. And it's not that they're making mistakes. They're actually, there are several people running, I think, very strong campaigns. Uh -huh. It would be good in another year. Uh, but no one's they're running against a former president yes. who not just to, not just as popular among Republicans, but when people you ask them, maybe what's your what are your thoughts about the Trump administration? A lot will say, oh, the economy was much better. Oh, gas is much cheaper. They're running against both this pre the former president and nostalgia for how he governed. Yes. That's very tough. So the debate confirmed that there's a few people who have the, I think have the chops, but they are not in a position to beat this guy. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the way you put it like that, it says yeah. if they're running against an incumbent mm -hmm. with a really good record. Yeah, like almost like Reagan '84, like it's someone who's going for re-election on the back of actually a re really good um, feeling about what he achieved. Yes, and if you're out with these candidates, and I, I try to get out whenever possible here, but yeah, like Iowa, New Hampshire, the people who show up to hear Nikki Haley, uh, to an extent, Ron DeSantis, definitely uh, Mike Pence, they do want to move on from Trump, but they represent about thirty percent of the party, uh -huh. and they're they're split uh, multiple ways. And even if you push on Trump, they never say I hated everything about it. They'll say. He was too combative. He could have. He should have won again. That was the, the sort of the argument Bill Barr will make uh, for, for Attorney General. Yes, a little, little bit less harsh, but they won't say I never want to see him again. They'll say I'm a little tired of the way he operates. Yeah. That's different than the way they think of Biden, where they want him to go away, never come back. And also the the other big thing that that I think is so interesting mm -hmm. is that you had it's it's only a feature of the argument from some of these candidates in the early days, at least was. Whatever you think of him, we can't win with him. Nikki Haley was right. very strong on that. You know, he's the most unpopular politician in America, I think she said. Or something yeah, last like debate that. she said that, yeah. You know, well, he just was in a poll leading Biden by any points. Right. Now, you can say it's an outlier and all the rest of it, and fair enough. But he's he's not behind. I mean, he's he's either neck and neck. And on the averages, I think it is just about neck and neck. Yes. Is the, so that electability yes. argument doesn't really fly either. No, and you can fairly say he's polling better now than he ever has in one of these races. In 2016, you could go back, uh, th you know, thank you, Real Clear, Real Clear Politics will archive all these polls. Yeah. Go back and check. If you test him against Hillary, he was losing by 20 points. You test him against Biden at this point in late 2015, losing by 10 or something. And it's, you know, pro popular vote, not an electoral college. Yes. But it's hard to win the electoral college if you're losing by 10. And he's always done better. So I think that is baked in with how Republicans view Trump is. Right. Something changes when he's running. People who don't normally vote, vote. That's just true. We've seen that yeah. in, in two elections now and then midterms where they didn't show up. Uh, and these other candidates are not polling so much better that, that they have an argument to make there. They yeah. did in 2016. There were times when Dan Kasich, and he built his whole campaign, yes. you remember this, around I'm electable, look at this poll where I'm beating Hillary and he's not. That's not happening anymore. Trump does a little bit worse than Nikki Haley. He does a little bit better than Ron DeSantis. This is not a firm ground to build a replace this former president yeah. argument on. It's interesting. So, Look, I can I can get the argument, and and I know it very well, and I spent a lot of my time 
with the Republican Party here in California and, and mm -hmm. talking to audiences and so on, I feel very much the both the emotional component of the Trump support. We love him because he, you know, he speaks for us. He takes us seriously. He he loves us. That's the that's what you hear. And so there's a very strong emotional component. He's a fighter and all the rest of it. And then you add in the nostalgia for the good times, as it were, on the economy and the border and so on, from Republicans. So that I get. But what? why do you think it is that across the country, more voters who aren't Republicans, they obviously are, are not persuaded at all by the argument you hear from, almost as a chorus, from what you might call the establishment, mm -hmm. um, which is, it's inconceivable that this man should ever be president. Look what he's done, the indictments and so on, January the 6th. So many people just not, and not just Republicans, are just dismissing that. Why is that? Well, for a lot of reasons you mentioned, because they, they say, well, for all my problems, things seem to be running better in a few of the areas I care about. I was not worried about buying a home, and now I am. Uh, there are some worries, though. Uh, I mentioned he's polling better than he did, but Republicans asked him about 2022. This is part of DeSantis' argument. If you looked at that economic picture and you looked at a poll of Biden's popularity, you would assume Republicans do a lot better, and they didn't. And a lot of the reasons are, uh, this California especially, you can go outside where we are in Anaheim. There's people who were Republican 10 years ago. They can't stand Trump. And after January 6th, they really can't. Right. Uh, we're, we're not far away from some of the few Republicans who voted for uh, uh, for impeachment or to at least investigate what his actions after, 20, 2000, uh, after the 2020 election. That has suppressed some support for him and all Republicans mm -hmm. because no, the only Republicans who've broken from that are people like Mike, Mike Pence. And if you look at their polling, they do a little better with Democrats. There is this, this, this strange new respect they have for Mike Pence. Right. Much worse for Republicans. They feel like they betrayed him. That's The basis for this election just has a different set of facts for Democrats and for Republicans. And for, for a lot of those people in the middle, they are really frustrated with Biden. They don't want to have to vote for him again. They will if it's they would vote for any Democrat because they say, this version of the Republican Party just goes too far. Right. Uh, that That is a problem where I think... And this is a, this is all these guys are running on. Nikki Haley's donors, Nikki Haley will tell you, look, if you take that out of the equation, you have somebody who's just yeah. running on a more popular agenda. Trust us, that Romney voter can come back. They're not coming back if it looks like it's just Trump's party still. Okay, so the scenario mm -hmm. for Trump not becoming the nominee, mm -hmm. all these candidates are, you know, that's ostensibly what they what they are fighting for. Seems to me not based on any. I think everyone can see now the debates and all this kind of general stuff isn't going to make any difference. It seems to me it's very... Or the indictments have that. Or the indictments. Yeah. That, that's the sense. So it's very precise. It's a strong showing in Iowa, a, followed by a strong showing in New Hampshire, maybe South Carolina. And then suddenly, well, maybe, you know, there is a coalescing around someone and somehow there's a majority for someone other than Trump. I think that's that is there that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, that's the theory. So do you, what do you make of that? I mean, first of all, can you see that happening? You mm mean -hmm. specifically in Iowa, in those early states? And then who's best positioned to be the beneficiary of that that phenomenon if it happens? I can see a few of those steps happening. And at this moment in time, end of September, uh, Nikki Haley is in a position where she could surprise people in Iowa. At that point, if she came in second, it would surprise people. Yeah. She could do very well in New Hampshire. Yeah. And then if it got down, because it's very hard to see Tim Scott remaining in the race if she did that well and he didn't, mm -hmm. that she would get a one-on-one -on -one race with Trump in South Carolina. The problem has been, pollsters have checked, Yeah. and it's still hypothetical because they're, they're, they're asked, okay, imagine it's just those two. In a two-person race, he still wins. Uh, mo yes, because most Republicans are comfortable voting for him again. Most Republican primary voters, especially in South Carolina, they canceled the 
2020 primary, they had a couple of gadfly challengers because they were so supportive yeah. of him. The governor supports the, him over his you know, former lieutenant governor, uh, sorry, his former governor, Nikki Haley. Uh, and no one is in a position to beat him one on one right now. They are in a position, I think, to make life a little difficult in those first primaries. It's when you get to that next step. It's a little bit more like 2020 with Joe Biden, is that a lot of Democrats had a successful plan to beat him in Iowa, New Hampshire, and they didn't. Ne they never th thought about how to win the more uh, more diverse, more African-American electorate in Super Tuesday. They just kind of thought it would roll together. All right, once people see that Biden is is weak and can't win, those voters will convert. And they just didn't. They didn't run. trusted Biden. They didn't trust them. And that's what's happening at think times three or four. So, so you think now, even if Trump, I was going to say loses, is there any chance that he loses Iowa and New Hampshire? There's a, that's the thing. There is a chance. I think in that scenario, it's just as easy to imagine South Carolina Republicans say, we're not going to let the establishment take out right. Donald Trump. We're going to rally behind him. Got it. Uh, and the, there's a, there, I, you're asking good questions. So there are a lot of moving parts here. <laughs> if, if X, then Y. If, if, Z, yeah. if Z, then A. Uh, I think there is a scenario where he is in trouble at the end of the beginning of February of right. 2024, where it looks like, oh, he... Having not lost a primary in years, he's 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 down one in a multi-candidate race. Uh, no, I want to see at least one poll as flawed as polls can be. One poll that shows it close. Every poll that's him versus any Republican, he's up by 30, 40. Points. And what about the what about the math where you say in Iowa and New Hampshire he's he's still way ahead, but he's under fifty. Right. In other words, there's a majority for someone other than Trump. Is it reasonable to add all those together and and sort of? you know, can't see an anti-Trump majority. But that's the thing. There, there is a lot now. Like that. Uh, if you look, at, I think CBS had a poll this week. Uh, Fox Business had one. If you go down and you add up the people who are considering him, it's more than 50%. So right. it'll be about 50. The CBS polls were 51% in both uh, New Hampshire and Iowa. And a lot of campaigns said, uh, non-Trump campaigns said, well, look at the number of people who say they're not even considering him. That's true. There's 20 to 30% who say they're not considering but there's more who say they're not considering anyone else. There, there are more people saying they're not considering Nikki Haley than say this. And there are more people who are voting for Haley, voting for Pence, et cetera, and they say they're going to vote for Trump. Uh, they would vote for Trump. They'd be willing to. And so it's not like a simple one-to-one one -one production. If Tim Scott drops out, not every Tim Scott voter is voting for Nikki Haley. Or for, Trump. A lot of them said, well, my, I, I, he was, he's great. I hope he's vice president. My second choice is Donald Trump. A Go. lot of second choice for Trump. I think in those polls I mentioned, it was around... 17% of people. And that's enough. Oh, that's an 48% plus, plus that chunk. Yeah. That's a majority. Now, what about if you if you take someone like Vivek? Yeah. He's, he's high, you know, high on a lot of these, in, in a lot of these polls. You know, he's he's sort of up there, either second or third or whatever. Um, I mean, would it be reasonable to assume that a large proportion of his support would go to Trump? In, yeah. Because of the kind of campaign he's running. Yeah. I, and I, I, anyone who, this is a nice thing about the internet, whatever one thinks the internet, you can go and look up this data for yourself, not the campaign's internals, right. but they'll leak it occasionally. You can look at these media polls, they'll give you a headline and it'll say the top numbers. And if you dig down, Vivek is a great example to bring up. Vivek's supporters love Donald Trump, but they would love somebody who's a new generation who's going to take it further, you know what Vivek's message is. Yeah. Um, and if he didn't run, uh, you saw the debate. He, if he gets talking for more than five minutes, he'll get back to praising Donald Trump and saying, I, I'm MAGA, but he doesn't own MAGA. I want to go further. Their second choice is is not somebody who's positioning themselves more yes. as a Trump alternative. He, it's, well, Vivek is Trump plus. Oh, I couldn't get Trump plus. I'll get Trump original. That That's a lot of Vivek's voters. So so putting all that together feels like you you find it hard to see how he's not the nominee right now. Oh, yeah, very hard to see right now. I, I And I... 
I think there were openings throughout the summer, and what you know, you have to, you have to go back and see what people said at points in time and hold them to it. And I, I remember being with a, a number of candidates, Vivek, Asad, and Haley, right when Trump said, uh, I think on True Social, he was going to be indicted in New York. And there was a feeling in the room, this might be it. This might break people loose. Yes. Then it didn't. Uh, then three more indictments. Every time the response was, we don't believe this. This is a two-tier justice system. It's not just, when I say people saying that, I mean the Speaker of the House saying that. Yes. The Speaker of the House, is who is neutral in the race, is endorsing the Trump version of events. Yes. Don't worry about these indictments. They're fake. It's almost like when Democrats say about Hunter Biden. Yeah. Because there's a reason. They're not saying, I'm going to, oh, well, I'm worried about this Hunter news. I'm going to vote for the RFK. They're hearing Nancy Pelosi and Hakeem Jeffries say, it's all bunk. Don't believe it. And you hear the same thing when Trump is in trouble. So so all these moments in the campaign that people thought might break away, I think that's why I I try to do too much prediction and punditry, even though it's fun. Uh, you hold them to it. They thought these would be moments where they could break away. When DeSantis gets in with $100 million from his pack, all right, that's the moment for people to come off the sidelines to support yeah. him. And they didn't. So what is the next moment? The debates. If we have a great debate, People will see us, they'll, they'll move from Trump. They didn't. They moved from other candidates. Yes. There are people who said, I was going to vote for DeSantis, now I'll vote for Haley. There were no, I wouldn't say nobody. There's probably, there. I've met voters who thought they would vote for Trump just with that much enthusiasm and now they're interested in Haley. Yes. There's a little bit of that, but yes. not from this monolith, this iceberg of Trump voters. Yes. It's a majority. It's interesting, funnily enough, and, and, and the mugshot, I think, because mm-hmm. is the visual embodiment of that whole story. Yeah. In this, I saw a few outside. Maybe you saw on the way in. There was a mugshot T-shirt. Absolutely. And yeah. my favorite one, I haven't seen until today. I was just getting Starbucks around the corner from this convention center where we are. And there's a big yeah. sort of, you know, convoy, co- you know, like getting together in the Starbucks parking lot. And I saw a big sign which with the mugshot and the, a classic wanted, you know, had wanted. And then the mugshot and underneath said for president. I thought, like, brilliant. You know, they, they're appropriating it in creative and, and brilliant ways. Nothing, yeah, I never saw anyone, any Hillary voters dressed up as a server already. They want to make embracing, <laughs> embracing the scandal and saying, we don't care, you're lying, He's a, they're innocent. That is unique to Trump, Maybe. what I've covered, yeah. So um, you said you thought that uh, some candidates are doing strong campaigns. Just talk yeah. about them. For, who, who's impressing you? Well, Nikki Hill is just running uh, on every mer- merit of a campaign, running a very good campaign. She is uh, on message. She does not get knocked off. She's very careful about media, but not not scared of it. She doesn't do many, you know, walk after an event, talk to a couple of reporters, the last Trump question. She doesn't do that, but she does frequent interviews. She puts out a message. She speaks to it. She'll take follow-ups. She's been good in the debates. Um, and she has picked issues where, one, she's very conversant in them. Two, they're popular. She'll talk about uh, taking back all land owned by Chinese nationals in America. Uh, she will talk about cutting off trade, trade with China. She will talk about whip, uh, protecting women's sports in ways that, that resonate with Republican voters. A lot of people are not Republicans. Um, she's running a good campaign, and I think only in the last week have you seen a lot of Republicans who thought they would have to support DeSantis. The Republicans who won an alternative mm-hmm. have said, well, she's she's clearly doing the best. Is there is this for real? Can she? The Trump people believe she, 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 she has a ceiling. They're not sure. She's running a very good campaign. Uh, Scott is running, I think, Apart from the first debate performance, which which didn't do a lot for him, running a solid campaign, good crowds, they built a good crowd. He's picked again a few issues where he he's they resonate with voters. And if you look at the polling, you look at everything comes back from their focus groups talking about a seventy five percent issue. This is great. Uh, DeSantis has just objectively not run a very good campaign, and the, the classic mistake of coming in with a lot of um, a lot of money and enthusiasm and staff and mm-hmm. having to t- tail it in. They've run, I think, a stronger campaign in some ways since then. They've run a very good grassroots. 
But their message is is more erratic. And the thing with Haley is I've not seen her in, she got it in February. Mm -hmm. Every week she has been talked about what she wanted to talk about. There has never been a week where she stumbles over some fact that she meant or and something blows up around the world and she comments and it makes it's a mistake. She has not done that. DeSantis has. DeSantis has gone in some cul-de-sacs that didn't do anything for him. Mm -hmm. He was attacking twice. He's attacked Trump and the super PACs attacked Trump over uh, letting trans women into Miss, Miss, Miss Universe, which uh, making the argument, the reason we have this, these gender identity confusion issues now is Donald Trump. And I, just both times you could tell in Iowa, no one believed that. Yes. Yeah. They'll separate Leah Thomas from and that Miss Universe competition. Yes. Um, but it was erratic. It was just, let's try something. It doesn't work. She, Haley is not trying. It doesn't, hasn't worked. Scott is not trying and hasn't worked. He just, I don't think he's punched <laughs> through as much in the debate. Mm -hmm. um, those campaigns are good. I think if they were running, if, if Trump was not indeed running, uh, you would see a little bit more from the, from how effectively they're, right. they're running these races. Well, what about Vivek? Vivek's running a good campaign for starting from zero, getting known. Yeah, he has, and this is what I remember: this, the Sanders people they keep waiting for someone else to, to everything to fade and come to them. So they were hoping this would happen. It did happen. It didn't help them. They said, if you look at Vivek's record and his his quotes over the years, what he's written in his books, it's not consistent. The inconsistencies are going to pile up. Uh, I think that that happened. He, he has just weighed in on stuff and then had to tack it back in. He criticized Trump over January 6th and then yeah. had to, had to admit, kind of muddle that response. Uh, he's written things in his, in his books about trade policy that he's moved off from the trail. I think there's a very dramatic, uh, not dramatic, but a very memorable example of the debate where he was called Did TikTok Digital Fentanyl? Very memorable. Yes. Uh, we should ban uh, minors' usage of yes. TikTok and social media. And then he tw he tweeted um, that he met with Jake Paul, the famous influencer, yeah. YouTube, TikTok, and he was on it now. And that's the sort of thing that's been hurting Vivek is that if people have never heard of you before uh, and you're not consistent, then you get known as the guy who's not very consistent. The guy's exciting, but where's the center? Where's the spine? Okay. Haley, who, before she got in the race, I want to monologue too, but before she got in the race, um, she was known for kind of flip-flopping on Trump, of, of criticizing him and then taking it back, and I won't run if he runs, and I'll take it back. She's been much more consistent in that's the real. Right. That's exactly. She has corrected since she got I thought that would be more of a problem for her. Yeah, that, that has been my criticism of her. Mm -hmm. All right, I've got two more questions. So uh, everyone's talking about, even Gavin Newsom, when he was yeah. at the debate this week, basically talking about it as, a, as a, the race for VP. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were Trump, let's assume he's the nominee, what, what, who would you pick? Either from the vice presidential, for, for, sorry, from the current crop of candidates or someone completely different? Uh, I think someone completely different is going to uh, reduce some of your problems. And also, Haley would make sense if you want somebody who's going to add some voters who, who think that you're, you're, uh, you're too rigid, you're, you, you take grudges against people, you're, you've moved too far to the right since 20, um, 2020. However, she's taken a bunch of very unpopular, fairly unpopular, whether they're right or wrong, unpopular positions on Social Security, uh, on Medicare, on raising retirement age, and she disagrees a lot. It would make more sense for Trump because he's got not just his brand, but his agenda. If you look at what he's announced, what's on his website, videos puts out, he has a very specific agenda about taking back the government and dismantling all these pieces. It would make more sense for a governor, for somebody outside this this mix, to like a, like a Christy Noem, for example, to be in there. Uh, and there are people who have disagreed with him in public, but I think would compliment that. He doesn't have the problem in 2016, which is that a lot of conservatives didn't trust him, and he needed Mike Pence for that. Not a problem anymore. Conservatives yeah. trust him. Uh, so who could he add that says, oh, he's looking for the future, he's building the party, and there'd be a partner for taking back the government and giving it giving it to you? Mm -hmm. The name that comes to my mind a lot 
is is Christy Noem, um, okay. more than anyone in the race. I mean, Scott is somebody who I think would partner pretty well with Trump and has not criticized him yeah. in this race. Other people in the race, I'd say he's the one that makes the most sense. Okay, so last question. Um, I don't know what, really how to phrase it, but I'm like, what are you, what are you interested? It <laughs> feels like a lot of people are just, the Republican race, and I'm not that interesting. Right. We've talked about maybe Iowa and so on. You've addressed that. What are you looking forward to? What are you thinking might happen? I guess maybe most of the interest is on the other side. Will anything happen with Biden? I don't know. What do you think? No, that that's a question. It's not really a thing that you can report every day. You can't go to Iowa and fi- you can find Kennedy and Mary Wilson sometimes. Um, but that's happening in, in back rooms of Democrats wringing their hands and wondering what to do. Uh, I <laughs> A somewhat boring answer, but one I like, the, again, Trump has proposed a lot of policies that would be radical for a president to implement. Biden has not explained much of what he want to do, but he's done a lot of stuff that he wants to defend. Yeah. I think just that part of the race is more interesting than we're giving credit for, that everyone says they hate the Earth race. I want to call that bluff. If you compare the way they would use the yeah. government, the, the way that, that Biden is expanding it, and the way that Trump would trick it, that's a good story. And I'm almost looking forward to the maybe March or April, if there's yeah. the nominee yeah, that yeah. story. Uh, but a lot is, um, I think that more than the horse race. And, and sometimes... Uh, you get a race. I mean, you get 1984 where there was not really a challenge to Reagan, where there's kind of an exciting primary, but Mondale's, you know, Mondale's got it in the end. Yeah. How much important is the horse race? Versus what are these gonna, guys going to do with executive oh. power? I feel, once we get to that, I kind of feel like that's going to be interesting. Great. Okay. Yeah. Dave, thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good to see you. Hi, everyone. We are joined here from the California Republican Convention, this time by Laura Corti, who is the author of California Playbook, a must-read if you want to know what is going on in politics every day. It's every weekday? It's every weekday. Every weekday. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, I read it every day. Um, and honestly, you got to, if you want to know what's going on, that's what you have to read. California Playbook, Politico. Here we are. We're just, um, I guess we're at the beginning of the kind of main official bit of the convention, but yesterday was incredibly... Crazy and chaotic. We had Donald Trump here, Ron DeSantis, um, Tim Scott. What do you think um, the role of the presidential race? Let's start with that. Is because do, do you think it's it's affected by the fact that California's moved up its primary and therefore the whole thing takes on more significance or not really? Like the whole convention takes yeah. on more significance. Yeah. yeah, I think so. You know, I've been trying to talk to folks this weekend about like the House races because I'm right. biased and I think the House races are yeah. very interesting, but they're all very focused on the presidential primary. Right. And it's because it's moved up. And I think, uh, you know, it's before the spring convention, which is a little bit different. Yeah. So, yeah, all the focus is trying to get people excited about it. Um, and I think that, like, you know, having an important person on top of the ticket is a hugely important, you know, driver of turnout. And that's really right. what Republicans need. Right. And the fact that, like, the Republican delegation could actually matter a little bit more in this right. presidential primary, I think, is a big, big get for the party. Right. And then what what are you hearing in terms of the, yeah, you know, the, the impact of the rule changes? Because that was quite a big deal a few months. Was it a couple of months ago where they changed it about how to award delegates? There was a fight over that. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, so you basically have to decide when people are going to get what amount of delegates, right? And it, it's a threshold kind of argument, essentially. And so the way that the the party um, decided earlier this year was anybody who gets over 50% is winner take all. And that is supposed to, you know, Trump supporters say that benefits them. DeSantis supporters say that also benefits Trump. There's right. some anger over that. Um, uh, but, you know, I think that that just goes to show how, you know, critical this amount of delegates are and people really want uh, to, I mean, win California. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's interesting because at the beginning of the year, I think I'm right in saying that the first poll that we saw in the in the beginning of the year at the beginning of the year was had Ron DeSantis leading Trump by quite a bit, twenty or so points. That's completely flipped in California, and Trump's way ahead now. Yeah, I mean, you know, Trump won the state very significantly. Uh, you know, the last time around in the Republican primaries, and again, it's hard. You know, there was some question of whether DeSantis could pull ahead this round because when Trump won in 2020, it was kind of already a foregone conclusion, right? right? Like he had no real competition. He was the nominee apparent. Um, But yeah, Trump has just, you know, managed to roll over DeSantis. And he even yesterday at the, you know, his conversation called him what, like a wounded bird or something like that, Uh, which, you know, Trump loves his colorful imagery. So uh, DeSantis was certainly trying to like make up that gap last night. I think he really hit hard on the differences between Florida and California. Mm -hmm. He's debating Newsom soon, which right. you know hit on a few times last night. So okay. he's trying. He's trying. So what? So were you were you in the room for both events? Yeah. That's so. What would tell us your reflections on that? The differences. Oh, people really liked Donald Trump. Like they okay. were. They, you know, he went an hour over his speaking time, and right. you know, talking to like the other reporters who follow him all around the country, they basically say like when he's in a good mood and the crowd likes him, he'll go as long as he wants, right? right. And so uh, that was very apparent yesterday. He was treating it kind of like a stand-up comedy night, I think. Okay. Uh, you know, and DeSantis was, you know, people liked him too. But it wasn't the same passion? Is, would that be the right word, energy? Uh, what do you... No, I wouldn't say it's the same energy. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily like a knock on Ron DeSantis. I think mm-hmm. it's just the Trump effect. What we've seen right. for how, how long has it been now? Eight years I, or so? I mean, we had the same. Or... We, we would... We would uh doing some quick interviews with the crowd while they were waiting because there's enormous long lines to get right. in. And it felt very, <laughs> very kind of all in for Trump. I mean, there were a few people who would say, I'm looking at all the candidates, not making up my mind yet. Very but pragmatic. mostly it was very, very much a Trump right. crowd. You don't see people with like, you know, Trump shirt or I'm sorry, DeSantis shirts and DeSantis yeah. hats and yeah. DeSantis sunglasses. Like you just don't see that. The merch isn't there. Maybe lots of Oh, there you are. Maybe he's a better category. A bit more than I think. He's got plenty of money to do that. So yeah, you know he could. You know, if you know, he should advise his campaign on how to spend his money on some better merch. So what about the other things that are going on here? Um, there's an argument over the platform. Are you paying attention to that? Is that significant? Yeah, that's a big one that I am paying attention to because you know I cover Republicans in the state more than Republicans nationally, mm-hmm. and really the the fight here is about how to appeal to voters. And I think that there's certainly a, a section of the Republican Party here that feels like they need to you know open the doors a little bit wider, show that they're a little bit more with the times, try and appeal to a broader audience. And so to do that, um, you know, the drafting committee has proposed right. taking out some major pillars like opposition to abortion, opposition to same-sex marriage. Yes. And obviously there are conservatives in the party. I think you'd argue some of the most passionate grassroots folks who show up to stuff like this mm-hmm. are not happy with that. Right. And so whether that goes through, we'll have to see. But that, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I don't think that's anyone, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but they're running for anywhere um, in California at any level for the Republican Party on an actual policy to make marriage equality illegal. I don't I don't see anyone proposing right. that. Right. So what does it do? What what good is like, it? Like why to, is that in the platform? Um, you know, I think the people who want to keep the platform it is say that it's, you know, a declaration of values okay. and they don't want to be Democrat light. Uh, they don't want to just, you know, uh, be a different version of the other party. They want to stay true to what their members want. Yes. And, you know, I talked to Parmeet Dillon, the, uh-huh. you know, national committee woman, and she made the point uh, that said, you know, 
she's worried that this will alienate the people who do door knocking, people who register right. voters, the most passionate members of the party. Yes. Because as you said, like voters aren't really going to read this. Like it's not going to be right. your, your person on the fence, your soccer mom who's looking at the platform and saying, you know, okay, I'll vote for yes. this amount. Well, that's the argument I hear that, well, who cares? And it's not important. And it's the actual policies of the matter that get implemented at various levels of government. And no one's really proposing it. On the other hand, it reminds me very much going back a, a while into UK politics when Tony Blair was a newly elected leader of the Labour Party. They had an equivalent of uh, of this in the Labour Party. And he made a real show of actually changing, even though, again, the argument was it doesn't really matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. affect art. It's just a sort of pro forma thing. In that case, it was a position about um, nationalizing key industries that was still in the platform from really old socialist days. Wow. And it talked about the common ownership of the means of production, you know, really kind of you know, Marxist economics there. But no one took it seriously. It wasn't mm. any anyone's idea of what should be in an actual election proposal, but he made a big fuss of changing it in order to show that the party was changing. Right. So he considered it an important strategic um, move. Do you get the sense that's part of the calculation here? Yeah, and I wish there was a better word than um, performative because I don't want to make it seem like it's yeah. you know somehow bad. But there's it's a, it's signaling, right? You're signaling right. to the, your voters, to your constituents that like, hey, you know, we have these kind of values, or we want to show yes. you that we are open to, uh, you know, moderating some of these stances. So it's definitely a messaging thing, right? But you know, like. Republicans have, at times, less voter registration than no-party preference voters of yes. the state. It's been very hard for them to gain some traction. So I think there's certainly some folks who are like, we need to shake some things loose. We need right. to figure out how we get more people under okay. this tent. So, yeah. And is that a majority? How strong is that, I guess? It, it, this is the real, this is the grassroots, this convention, you know, compared yeah. to any other event one might look at. Uh, do you get a sense that that is... A minority view still, or where, where, where are we in that? You know, I, I never want to say that, like, you know, most people think this thing or most people think this right. thing, right? Uh, but it's, I think it's it's a difference between maybe more, like, long-time establishment folks versus kind of grassroots folks. Um, you know, there are times that we've seen the, like, uh, kind of activists portion of the party really makes some waves in California. You remember like the recall of Gavin Newsom yes. was really like started by the grassroots folks. Yes. If I recall correctly, I don't think that the California GOP got involved in that until it was qualified or almost qualified. And so it's not always, um, you know, the the leadership necessarily driving the strategy sometimes. So it's, it's, it's a push and pull, I think. Yeah. The leadership certainly needs those grassroots folks who like actually care, yeah. show up to conventions and buy the $600 ticket to Donald Trump. So right. it's very important you still appeal to those folks. Let's let's finish with where you started, which is the congressional races. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, we're, we're speaking at, right in the middle of Orange County. The, well, the Orange County, but also um, I was thinking about Congress and the, uh, the shutdown that may or may not happen right. by the time people watch this. Um, and Kevin McCarthy's speakership potentially in jeopardy. So, and because of that very narrow margin, I mean, every seat counts, and California is going to be really important. So, what are you uh, focusing on there? Yeah, I mean, that's something that I'm watching. You know how Republicans and Democrats obviously are playing that because uh, this is 
goes back to the platform thing as well, mm-hmm. because there are these districts where you have these really tight margins. I'm thinking of like the Central Valley districts with David Valadeo and John Duarte. Yes. Um, those are areas where you don't want to scare folks off. I think uh-huh. maybe there is some desire from some Republicans in California to, uh, you know, moderate themselves to appeal to the voters in that district. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm being very diplomatic. I understand. But yeah. there's there's a lot of pressure because if you don't win those, yeah, Kevin McCarthy's out of power. That's such yeah. a delicate balance. The road to power for Dem- for Republicans uh, runs through California. And so, you know, I'm definitely watching to see how folks are messaging specifically in those districts right. because they're such purple districts. You really got to do yeah. that line. And is, is the game really for Republicans next year? Um, in terms of the congressional races in California, holding on to what they've got, or is there a plan to win? I mean, obviously, always you want to win elections. We would say they're going to win all the seats. Um, <laughs> I think they really want to. No, but yeah, you really have to hold on to those five, and those are so critical because I, I believe it's five that they've flipped in the past two to three cycles. I want to say since twenty eighteen, uh, and that's you know, Kevin McCarthy only has a, a five person margin in right. House, right? So it's it's, I mean, yeah, absolutely critical. So actually, there is one more thing I wanted to get your take on, just um, not connected to the Republican Party directly, but with the death of Dianne Feinstein. Mm-hmm. And of course, a big decision for Gavin Newsom about how to handle that. What are you hearing? Uh, we, so my my colleague heard that it's not going to be a matter of hours. It's going to be a matter, or a mat- not a matter of weeks. It's going to be a matter of days. Okay. Because there are some important votes coming down in Congress right now. Uh, but, you know, Gavin Newsom said in a statement yesterday, she's a lifelong mentor to him. Mm-hmm. He's been very clear throughout all of this that he doesn't want to get into like the nastiness of speculating essentially mm-hmm. about somebody who's a political giant, but also just a personal friend to him. Mm-hmm. I will say that it sounds like folks were already calling up Gavin Newsom like very quickly or mm-hmm. his advisors yesterday. Last night, his chief of staff, Dana Williamson, tweeted, you know, something to the effect of, you know, Diane Feinstein was this amazing person, but. It's been frustrating today because the vultures have come out. And wow. so she, I think, is definitely feeling the pressure. I mean, this is a big job. People are yeah. definitely going to want it, even though they're not going to publicly jockey for it because that's very distasteful. They're absolutely doing it behind the scenes. So, But do you th- I mean, he's not going to go back on his pledge not to appoint one of the three leading Democrats run. I wish I knew inside of Gavin's head. Um, Finn Newsom said, Ian, I, I don't think that he's going to, I really don't think he's going to appoint one of the three that are running for the actual race, just because I think that that would be very politically messy for him. He yeah. said he doesn't want to do that. He also is bound by the fact that a couple of years ago, he promised to appoint a black woman to the seat. So, but, you know, then by saying you want to appoint an interim candidate to that seat. Okay. So a black woman would be an interim yes. candidate. Why doesn't a black woman get a full appointment? Like it's, he, he has really like painted himself into like, a corner, a tight corner. And I think we're, I mean, nobody obviously wanted Diane Feinstein to die, but I think there was a real hope that he would not have to answer. Right. And the voters could decide come November. Right. And I think he still kind of wants to do that. I think that's right. a normal instinct. You know, if he, when he appoints this senator, which I assume he will do, he's going to have the weird, you know, honor of having appointed both California senators. He appointed Alex Gradient. And so he doesn't he doesn't want to do that. I think that's even for Gavin Newsom a little bit like too much power. So yeah, interesting. It, it's, Is there a way out? Like just punting it, and I don't really understand what you could because like, as it he has painted himself into this position. He could avoid filling the spot. Um, I'm not sure what the rules are about you know mandatory special elections if there's a vacancy and he doesn't want to appoint somebody. 
But like I said, there's critical votes coming down in the yeah, House. If we were to leave that vacant, it would. And there's such a you know small Democratic margin in the Senate. Yes, that's a great point. It would be devastating if yeah. California didn't have a second senator representing uh, you know the state in the Senate. So uh, I don't envy Kevin Newsom at all right now. Are you hearing any names? Uh, a lot of people are throwing out the name London Breed or Karen Bass. You know, the mayor of San Francisco, wow. mayor of Los Angeles. I'm skeptical about that because I think that, yeah. you know, those mayorships are, are good jobs and yeah. London Breen has already said she's running for re-election. And so why would you, you know, leave for a moment or, you know, 11 or 12 months yeah. just to, you know, go back to the job? It, it's kind of odd. Um, Barbara Lee certainly wants that seat, but yes. I don't know if she's going to get it. We will see. Laura, thank you so much. Great to see you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.